Welcome to Agile Talks, a show for and by Agile enthusiasts who share new ideas, challenges, thinking, and innovation. Join us each week as we talk with thought leaders, join in on our panel discussions, and explore and develop your growth mindset. Now, here's your host, Chris Puglisi. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Uh, today, I have a very special guest with me, Heidi Helfen. Heidi is a Director of Engineering Excellence at Procore Technologies, creators of cloud-based construction software. She's also the author of the book, Dynamic Reteaming, The Art and Wisdom of Changing Teams, which challenges the notion that you need to keep your teams the same in order to be successful. Heidi was on the first team at two highly successful startups, Expert City acquired by Citrix, where she was on the team that invented GoToMyPC, GoToMeeting, and GoToWebinar, and Appfolio, a SaaS property management software company that went public in 2015. She's currently co-active coach certified by the International Coaching Federation, or ICF. I especially find Heidi's work on dynamic reteaming fascinating as most, if not all of the literature, workshops, courses, and training I've come across out there around creating excellent teams promotes the idea of persistence of a team in order to follow the path to maturity and excellence. Heidi, welcome to the show. Hi, Chris. Thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah, glad to have you on. So I think what we'll do is maybe just start with, um, you know, a few minutes on, you know, your your story. Uh, How'd you get into, you know, agile and and coaching software engineering teams for, for excellence? Yeah. Yeah, I actually, I guess if we go way back, I have a master's in teaching English. So in my early, early part of my career, it's right around when the web happened and graphical web browsers. So I started uh, teaching and inventing courses that integrated learning about the internet with teaching English. And one day I, I, I had a, you know, like some things in life, you get surprised. I, mm. uh, there was a fork in the road and I uh, was decided to join a software startup that later became the company where we invented GoToMeeting. And I joined as a writer Then I became an interaction designer, technical project manager, agile happened. I kind of reframed my career and uh, started supporting teams in a coaching capacity and 20 years passed by and just working with a lot of different teams at, you know, three, uh, key companies. The first one, as you mentioned in my my intro, Expert City was the first startup, and we were acquired by Citrix. And then the second one, startup called Appfolio, uh, which makes software for different uh, verticals like property management and law firms. So I we we really applied a lot of uh, lean and agile techniques from the start of that company. I was the tenth employee, and I left when there were about I think six hundred and fifty people. So I oh, had wow. these experiences at different companies that were growing and changing really fast. And yeah, so it's it's been a really fun ride. And now I work at Procore Technologies. I've been there about two years. I was uh, consulting there. Uh, doing agile coaching and decided to join on full time. I just kind of fell in love with the people and the culture and really the mission of the company to improve the lives of people in construction. And it was a really good decision. So I, I can continue to grow and thrive at Procore and Procore continues to grow and thrive. We have about 1500 people worldwide and it's doubled since I got there. So a lot of interesting wow. team changes uh, that are happening in that company. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that that that's a great story. So th- thanks for sharing that. And you know, I think uh, 
having been, um, you know, a, a very early on on some of these uh, high growth startups, you've been through your share of, of challenges. I know, you know, scaling, not just from um, the technology side of things, but from the people side of things. I, I've been through that a couple of times and it's uh, definitely there's no shortage of, you know, challenges. And uh, I'm sure you've picked up a lot being in such a fast paced, fast growing, you know, environment multiple times. And, uh, so that's, uh, that's awesome. And, and it's, it's, it's tough, you know, it's, it really is it takes a certain person to get through that and, and navigate that and, and continue to learn and improve, um, while you're going through it. So, yeah, yeah, definitely a lot of, uh, uh, challenging situations, a lot of delightful situations, a lot, a lot of learning. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And building great products, you know. Yeah very, proud, yeah. very proud of the products that we've built at that all of these companies. Yeah, it's it's really interesting that you've worked on some of I think that you know the most popular, you know, um you know, networking uh for lack of a better term, but uh communication tools, you know, go to my PC um and uh go to meeting, go to webinar. I mean, these are used globally by, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, not millions. And it, they're, they're all a really good fit into, you know, what you and I both do from a, from an agile perspective with uh, bringing teams together for, you know, uh, better and more effective, more efficient communications. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. You know. Very proud of those uh, in particular and just the, the spirit of the companies when we when we built those from scratch was just unparalleled. It was it was really, really fun. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was fun to, to invent things with others. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. So now you are, um, or you have been for uh, some time now working on a, uh, a new book um, called uh, Dynamic Reteaming and um, the Art and Wisdom of Changing Teams. And, you know, I, I again, like I said in my intro, I find this, the, your work on this very fascinating because to me it's... Um, and, and I'm sure to a lot of others, it, it, it really challenges, you know, the the perception, the opinions and, and the approach um, that I've heard, you know, along the way, at least as long as I've been in this on my agile journey um, for the past 10, 12 years of, you know, teams maturing through approaches like uh, and, and methodologies like or beliefs like the Tuckman model, you know, where mm-hmm. it's a very... Um, you know, kind of stepping stone. It's all around persistence, having the same team, having the same people on the same team. So they learn to, um, you know, uh, form and, uh, you know, eventually perform. There's personalities involved in everything. And the whole notion of people coming in and out of teams dynamically really does, you know, buck the current belief system out there. And I think, and, and, you know, but you have a lot of good information to support it. And uh, so it's very fascinating to me. Can you talk a little bit more about the book and and maybe some things, um, you know, out of there, maybe some key, key points um, from dynamic reteaming? Sure. I'd love to, I guess, uh, first, just to address a point about Tuckman's model, I think like many of us would agree that, oh, what a catchy, uh, framework to view teams, you know, forming, storming, norming, performing, adjoining, um, mm-hmm. you know, but the, the fact is, uh, I, I think a lot of the, the research that he did in forming that model came from therapy groups, not necessarily 
fast-growing, changing research and development groups that many of us work with in mm -hmm. product development for software companies. Sure. And so it, you know, so that was one thing that always kind of like threw me off a little bit. And then the other thing was, is just this belief that teams should be longstanding and, and held together when um, I think in, in the book, I talk about it, an eco-cycle concept, which I learned from uh, folks at Liberating Structures who learned it from folks uh, who wrote a book called Panarchy Gunderson and, by Gunderson and Holling. Mm -hmm. um, but the fact is, you know, sometimes we stagnate. Sometimes if we're together too long in a team, uh, we feel like we're not learning anymore. And, you know, we need to be disrupted and we need to reinvent uh, our teams. Um, but I, I would look at research as well, um, like Tuckman aside and, and all of that. Uh, but I would read uh, work like by Hackman. He wrote a book called Leading Teams and Others. I'd always want to get better at what I did in coaching teams. And it would say things like, you know, teams that stay together, you know, just perform better. And I was thinking to myself, man, in my career, and, you know, and again, it's like 20 years at, you know, three very uh, successful companies, our teams changed all the time. You know, some of it due to growth, some of it due to fulfillment of team members to work on something else. Sometimes the new work would come in and we'd start teams off to the side and work a bit differently. And so I was thinking to myself, well, reading all this ivory tower knowledge, were we doing it wrong? And I was like, gosh, you know, I don't think we were doing it wrong. I, I view it more, you know, teams, it, it, it's like they, they grow and change just by the nature of what they are. I mean, people are going to come and go. It's not going to be that perfect, stable situation, although maybe many of us would want it to be. And I think, really, it's okay to have personal preferences for team situations. You know, maybe I want to have a team that stays together more than it changes. It, it can get very uncomfortable when my team changes and it wasn't my idea. So I think there's a lot of human factors involved as well in, in reteaming. So sometimes it's going to happen to us and we don't want it to happen. Other times we might catalyze it. We might catalyze it for ourselves. Or if our company is growing at a certain rate and we have an influx of new people, we might, you know, reteam at a larger level. So there's a the concept in, in that book called Panarchy, which which has like the, the stuff can happen at multiple levels. So at the company level, you know, I didn't expect that my the first startup I was at was going to get acquired by Citrix. It happened. Mm -hmm. So it was like a team change at a very high level. Right. Uh, yep. You know, you can look at lower levels, maybe departments have reorgs or maybe a, a division of like a tribe within a department, a group of teams might, you know, they might change their composition or the people, uh, you know, in, in a variety of ways, they might change their teams. Or, you know, at the at the base level, you get uh, a new hire that joins or somebody leaves your team. It's more of a reteaming at the edges. So it can happen at all of these different levels. And really, if you think about it, especially if you're if you're at a fast growing company, you're going to have all of these levels going on at once. And so that's really essentially dynamic reteaming when you have team changes happening at all different levels at once. And in the book, I talk about patterns. Mm -hmm. Because I think so, I, I did research to write the book just to back up a little bit. Sure. So I share my my personal stories from being at these companies that I mentioned. But then I was thinking to myself, wait a minute, was it just us? Is it just some Southern California tech thing? 
so I became curious and I started interviewing people around the world, uh, just worldwide colleagues and, uh, you know, recording the interviews and transcribing the data and then coding it for themes. And then I wrote about the patterns that emerged from that data. So a very bottom up approach, uh, really inspired by a process called grounded theory, which Brene Brown used in her book, Daring Greatly, that I read about. So basically, I coded this data for themes, and I wrote about the patterns. Hmm. And so, re, you know, so dynamic reteaming. So what I learned from all of these examples, and even more that I still continue to capture, uh, is that there's five patterns. So teams change in structural ways, and then there are reasons why they change. So some of the patterns include like isolation. Mm-hmm. There might be actually like tell you a story at the first startup. First startup I was at uh, Expert City, we were going to change the world by making a like an eBay for services is what we called it. And starting with tech support, you were going to be able to come to our website, enter a tech support question, and then experts would bid to help you and solve your problem using screen sharing. And so that was our dream. And we worked and we spent, you know, there's a quote from one of our founders, we spent $10 million building the company and building this product, then to learn that, wait a minute, nobody wanted to buy it. And so what were we going to do? You know, and this is all before the lean startup methods and everything were popularized. Right. We became students of market validation and work from Steve Blank, who wrote the, I think it's called the Startup Owner's Manual now. Uh, but the book we all read was called The Four Steps to the Epiphany. And, you know, our founders and others found a new product to build. And the, where the reteaming came in is that, so we had a lot of existing people working at the company and some were invited to join a special team off to the side that was given process freedom. I was able to be part of that team. So isolation is a pattern in which you you invite people you or you assign people from different parts of the company to form a team off to the side. You give them process freedom and then they build something new. And so that's what we did when we built Go to My PC because we needed focus. We needed kind of to be freed from the existing processes that we had when we were building this marketplace. And we were doing waterfall back in those days. I mean, we were, we, we moved, you know, as fast as we could, but you know, and all, you know, looking back on it, it was kind of like, what were we doing? You know, spending all this time <laughs> on documentation before we even like uh, built something. Sure. So yeah. This team off to the side was able to fly. We were able to not use the existing process and we were able to, to ship, and uh, kind of save the company with with go to my PC. So that's the isolation pattern. But you'll also see it in emergency situations. Like if if people are at companies and maybe in the past they would call them like a tiger team, you form a special team to solve a particular problem or a particular challenge that could be like an emergency situation or, or an outage. Right. So you, you form a team, put it off to the side. It's, it's not necessarily a new concept, but it is a unique pattern. And so the book has stories about that pattern. Mm-hmm. Another one of the patterns is is what I call one by one. And that's like a it's a growth pattern or or a changing switching pattern. One person joins a team, one person leaves a team. So it's like one in or one out. And there's different techniques that you can do for onboarding new team members. Maybe they'll have company onboarding, department onboarding, onboarding within their local team, or onboarding in their group. So there's a lot of practices that go along with uh, doing any of these patterns. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but we're so used to that one. When we, you know, I, I, I do these talks around the world and I ask people, how many of you have had a new team member join in the past month or the past week? 
Mm-hmm. The majority of the people raise their hands. Well, how many of you had someone leave your company in the past couple of weeks? A lot of people raise their hands. So these are things that we deal with all of the time. And, you know, at the at the very smallest essence, you know, dynamic reteaming, you know, can happen at a, a team-based level. Uh, it doesn't only have to do because of growth. It could be because, you know, close to another pattern I call switching. Somebody switches to another team because they want to learn something new or because they want to work with someone else. Right. There are a lot of uh, uh, very human reasons why we don't want to stay on the same team forever. And a lot of them, you know, deal with learning and fulfillment. Sure. Yeah. 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 So switching is another pattern. And there's two more. I mean, I can continue on or pause for if you have any particular questions. I'm kind of going fast here. No, no, it's 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 really really interesting, and I mean, I think the what I find the most interesting is that everything that you've been talking about so far are just it's it's the for lack of a better term, it's the nature of the business, right? I mean, yeah, people are always coming and going, people are always shifting around and switching. Yet we, um, and I think some people more than others really try to safeguard their team, almost isolate their team. Like they can take a team that necessarily doesn't need to be an isolated team. It's not on an emergency fix or situation or an A team, you know, uh, to do a specific thing, but they still want to put them in isolation uh, because of, you know, what they've heard, what they've seen, what they believe um, based on what's being touted out there. And, you know, and I, and I think part of that is, you know, in, in their particular, you know, mindset, it's, you know, change, you, you're looking at, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like you're looking at a, these disruptors and change as a very powerful thing and a, and a good thing um, when it comes to, um, you know, maybe long-term, you know, complacency in, in teams and disruption is a good thing and it can be a good thing. And, you know, I think that you, for people to really, accept that and, and, you know, want, or not, I wouldn't say seek disruption, but embrace it. Um, it, it does take, you know, a particular, you know, mindset to get into that mode of, Hey, change is good. We need to challenge ourselves. We need to change. Um, even in the people, not just, you know, the process, the product, et cetera. So, well, I think it's kind of like, uh, uh, what, what I'm not saying is that you got to change everything now and, and that change right. is always good. I'm not saying that. I'm just really trying to say that it happens. Mm-hmm. Here's some patterns in how it happens. Here's some reasons why, and here's some stories. Right. It's almost like a anthropological account of, you know, this is how teams change and, uh, this is dynamic reteaming and you can choose to do it or, or maybe not. If you have a team that's really got, you know, an awesome setup. They're, they're delivering value at an, a great cadence. The customers are happy with what they're doing. The people think it's an enjoyable situation. People feel like they can express themselves and speak up. I mean, if you've got a, like a great thing going, don't mess with it. You right. know, but the fact is as time goes on, just by the nature of teams, you know, it's like, it, it, it's just a natural thing that they will change. Somebody's going to have a, maybe someone has a spouse and they get an opportunity in another city and that changes your team because you move along with them. Or it could be that this new person joins and for whatever reason you want to add them to your team. So it, you know, it will change. Um, but I, I don't think like, I'm not saying like bust up all your teams, switch them all around and do it really mm-hmm. fast. 
Right. Some people think when they look at the title of my book, because they're like, oh, dynamic continuum means like change it up really fast and, and uh, bust it up now. You know, it all takes discretion. It's really a, it's, it's a business decision for one, for how fast your company is going to grow or conversely, if it's going to shrink. And then yeah. there's a lot of personal preference involved. There's, there's financial considerations involved. So, you know, usually I tell people like, if you've got a great thing going, you don't have to go in and try to mess with that. You know, just because, be, right. Just because. Yeah. Uh, there's some companies that survey people, like, how are you doing in this team? Are you ready for a change? You know, that's one approach, like tapping into how the people are really doing, using uh, surveys to gauge employee engagement. There's a company called Culture Amp. You can do surveys with Culture Amp. There's another one called Pecan. Both tools are, are really pretty cool at, at tapping into how people are feeling, or you could even do like Google, Google's, you know, use, create a Google doc sort of survey. Yeah. How people are doing, you know, cause some people might, you know, be looking for a change. And if you don't provide opportunities within your company, they're just going to go elsewhere. So visualizing opportunities to switch teams is, is another real powerful thing that, that people can do. Oh yeah. 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 100%. Yeah. I mean, you know, team morale. And, and, and that really, you know, I think for me, that, that, that really resonates with me because a lot of what I'm focused on right now is really the whole people component of, of all of this, you know, agile stuff and, mm-hmm. um, you know, taking, uh, you know, team morale and individual morale surveys and things like that. It's, it's amazing when you start to see those results, aggregate those results and, um, you know, it does uncover a lot of opportunities and, you know, you have uh, investment and people have investment in you and, um, you know, the best place to look is typically right. What's right in front of you. And yeah. so, yeah. And I love that just idea of normalizing that it's okay not to be in the same team forever. Yeah. Because again, you know, many of us, if you think of colleges, you know, people are in a quarter system or a semester system or, maybe even more frequent than that. You know, we have different preferences for learning and it, it's great to be able to learn from different people and to switch the content. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that, yeah. So the, so we talked about isolation pattern, mm-hmm. the one by one pattern, a little bit about the switching pattern. There's two more. Yeah. Uh, let's take a look at those. Yeah. Let's yeah. To so, uh, the, and one of them is called merging. And so that is basically the opposite of grow and split, which is the final one. So, what we might find is some teams grow. It's a, one of the very common with fast growing companies, people get hired in and teams will grow big and then they will split. And it's mm-hmm. almost like natural, like cell, cell division, almost uh, you reach a point where, I don't know, 11, 12 people, they might want to split the team in half. And sometimes it comes from within the team. If teams are encouraged to reflect on their own structures in order to pursue effectiveness or excellence, sometimes they might decide, well, maybe we should split up and work in different ways. And that is just this whole big group Or people might feel a lot of pain when uh, they're in their regular meetings that worked really well when they were like five people, but suddenly they're 12 people and only two people talk during their planning and it gets awkward. And so some of those signals uh, might suggest that the teams will split or or maybe the work has just become unrelated and there's people are in a stand up all the all the meetings typically in this case take longer so maybe people are in a stand up 
And they really just have less of an interest about what the people are doing over there because it has nothing to do with what they're working on. So some different work areas could emerge and it might be better off to just branch it and kind of split or split into groups of three. I, I was talking with someone whose team split last year and then they came back together after a while. So that's yeah. the mer- merging pattern. So so I find that teams might expand and get bigger, then they might split, then they might come back together. There's some stories in the book. There's a engineering manager that I interviewed named William Them. He was at a company called Trade Me in New Zealand and you know, they would he would uh, strategically have like a few different they call them squads, a few different squads come together to knock off work in a list and to pair program and switch pairs and have more variety for it. So they wanted mm-hmm. a bigger team. Might find teams merge together if they find their two teams have a lot of dependencies and the communication is really difficult. Well, then they might merge together just so they're looking at the same board and their communication is is a little bit better. So that you know, one of the challenges with teams that split is that they maybe they're creating more problems for themselves by splitting. Maybe it's easier to stay together. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah. The bottom line of a lot of it is have a retrospective and include discussions of your team composition. Yeah, one one hundred percent. And you know, the last example that you just uh, referenced is near and dear to me because uh, while I was with uh, Sony, I. You know, we had one team. Uh, it was an SAP implementation on the financial side of things, and they, um, you know, they were nineteen folks, and everybody around the organization, just because of what they had heard and read about smaller team size, yeah, there's a lot of merit in that. But mm-hmm. this particular case, there were so many. There were six or seven different work streams, and there were a high number of dependencies. So it was a hugely dependency-driven project, and. Setting up, splitting the team to two, three, four groups potentially um, would cause, uh, would make coordination of these activities more challenging. So, mm-hmm. you know, they had several explicit coordination events set up to make sure that they were managing dependencies properly and, you know, um, you know proactively, um, you know, more discussion on the front end before they hit, uh, you know, those dependencies turned into blocks, et cetera. But um, so in that particular case, you know, the, the lead for that entire squad, you know, huge squad was very adamant about because of those dependencies um, about not splitting. And for mm-hmm. them, it worked out very well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, I think, you know, it, it's it's nice to be aware of patterns of what other people do and then think to yourself, well, what's important to us and, you know, what right. challenges are we facing and and you know, what do we want to do and, and, and really not really apply anything wholesale. Well, they, they do grow and split pattern over there. So we should, I mean, I think it's like, what would be best for your situation? Yeah. Yeah. One, 100%. I'm a, I'm a big fan of, um, I don't know if you've read this, this comes out of, um, uh, David, uh, Anderson's work with, uh, lean combine university, but fit for purpose. Mm-hmm. And- yeah. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a big fan, and I've been applying that concept more and more. Kind of taking outside of exactly what he was, you know, promoting or, or around his work, but really just, you know, we we have all of these concepts and approaches available to us, and it really, like you said, it comes down to learning um, what's what's working for your particular situation, and mm-hmm. then grabbing, you know, the best of what's available um, for your particular team and your particular problem that you're trying to solve. And, yeah. You know, yeah. I like that approach too. So, um, 
But anyway, so th- thank you. That was very helpful. And I, 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 those are, like I said, I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting in, taking a deeper dive in your book and everything. And I, I did read, um, you know, uh, a couple chapters that you made available. And, um, you know, the first one, you, you kind of started out with uh, this uh, metaphor. It, it was, I got a bit philosophical and <laughs> metaphorical, but I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, I was wondering if you could take just a minute or two and kind of explain it, because I think it would resonate with people in terms of, um, you know, giving them a, a better understand, understanding of, you know, why why this work and, and why dynamic reteaming is uh, is important and, and some of the things and patterns that you've seen out there. But you related it to really uh, growth of, of oak trees in a forest. And yeah, yeah. So I really, it's really, I really good. enjoyed that. Yeah. Did you like that? Cool. Yeah, it's the kind of the eco-cycle metaphor for looking at systems. And there's a great book called Panarchy that has a I have a I've changed and applied uh you know my thought to an ecocycle metaphor you know mm-hmm. but basically if you think about a forest and in southern california here uh we have a lot of those around us um but if you think about like a maybe an acorn is like in a birth phase and maybe it it's in the ground it's 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 taking root and it's starting to grow so it becomes adolescent or maybe it doesn't and it's in sort of a poverty trap or it's failing to thrive and it kind of dies off. Mm-hmm. You know, but, but things tend to, to in nature go through like a birth and adolescence, maybe getting mature. Um, but maybe after a while, like if you think of a forest and it's getting really dense and the canopy is really thick and it's hard for the light to come through and it's, it's hard to walk through it. It's, it's a, uh, it might be getting into some kind of rigidity trap or things are, are like overgrown or it's just not getting enough sunlight anymore to, to really keep thriving. So it can get into some kind of trap. And then typically, at least with forests, you know, it just takes a small spark to create some destructive behavior, like a wildfire that just changes everything. Right. Mm -hmm. So we've had the Thomas fire in Santa Barbara. We've had the, the, the Hill fire, the tea fire, like so many fires over the last 20 years and it's it's a lot of devastation right i mean it's very challenging for all the people it's it's very upsetting right um, but that part of the the eco cycle is like a just a creative destruction or a just dis- disruption phase and with like the case of a wildfire for example like when the fire happens like new seeds are emitted and then new growth happens again maybe you get a little bit of rain and the seeds take root and then we look at our mountains and suddenly they're green. And then suddenly after a little more time, there's yellow flowers. And it could be even more dramatic after a wildfire just to see that re- that renewal. Yeah. So, so the eco-cycle has phases like birth, adolescence, maturity, you know, creative destruction or disruption. And then there's periods of renewal. And so I think teams are like that too. I think you can apply it. It, it is like a metaphor. So like the birth like the start of a new team, right? Maybe mm-hmm. the team isn't gelling. It's not taking off. It's They're not working well together. So maybe then it gets like a failure to thrive or poverty trap and gets reset. Who knows? But let's say that team is is doing well and then they're growing, they're learning, they're learning from each other. They're starting to deliver some value and then they get to be a team that's 
that, you know, seems to be working well. Um, but then it could be that they're together for too long. And it's almost like that very dense forest, like a rigidity trap or something. And it feels like they're stagnating. And it could be for a variety of reasons. It could be the personalities together. It could be the what they're working on. It's not compelling to them. It could be a variety of, of different factors. But then maybe a change happens. Maybe suddenly they get two new team members and it changes the dynamic there and it and it, it gets them out of that trap. Or maybe the, the team grows and splits in half. You know, a lot of the the teams that suddenly the, the, the practices that they applied when they were five people are not effective anymore when they're 15 people. So they need to like break out of the rigidity trap there, create some change or new practices to then get renewed and then to like start again. So it's like an infinity. It's kind of hard because we're, we're on a podcast. People can't see me moving, waving my arms. But if <laughs> you imagine it's like an infinity symbol. And if you, I think on my website, HeidiHealthin.com, there's a link to a short medium article about the ecocycle metaphor as it relates to teams. But I think yeah. really like team change is a natural occurrence in many ways. So I really like the, this systems metaphor of an ecocycle. Uh, yeah. to, to just try to understand. So I think I write about some of the patterns in the book in terms of this, this eco cycle, like it, whether it's a new team or one by one addition of people, teams yeah. big and stagnating, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I love it. I actually, uh, and, and that's where I found um, the article that you'd wrote on medium. And ah, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so really, really well written. And it, it really, you. uh, captured my interest. And, you know, as I was reading it, I was kind of, I was sitting back, wasn't kind of, I was actually sitting back and mm-hmm. I was uh, envisioning about uh, six, seven weeks ago, I went for a hike um, locally here in the mm-hmm. Santa Barbara mountains. And I was surrounded by um, trees that had, were, were black, you know, just completely blacked out, completely mm-hmm. burnt up. And then all around them were was new green growth and flowers, and some of them were sprouting new you know leaves and things like that. So they had survived. Some had not. Um, yeah. But there's all this new growth around them, and I took so many pictures of it, and I was just amazed to mm-hmm. be in this situation where I was way up there, a couple miles up into the hills, and you know surrounded by all this like this black forest. It was very eerie. Yeah. And right around the corner was all these beautiful flowers and everything. And, you know, my wife and I were like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Look at right. like the renewal here that's happening and, and the growth yeah. amidst yeah, all the it's striking. you know. So it was yeah. really – and that's kind of those, – those are the visions that were going through my head as I was reading your article. But, yeah, I, I did find it through your website. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, very – you know, very, very fitting, uh, metaphor. So, <laughs> so yeah, thank that was you. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, I think my friends in the liberating structures community, they apply that metaphor to work. Like if mm-hmm. you think of all the different, um, maybe epics or stories that you're working on, some of them might be in like a birth phase. Some of them might be more in maturity. You know, you can, you can visualize when I do workshops on dynamic reteaming, sometimes, we can take 50 teams. Okay. What level do you think they're in, in, in terms of, you know, the eco cycle, which are brand new teams, which are teams that have been together for a long time, which are some that are just went through some big change or disruption that might need some additional support. So it's an interesting lens to play with for analyzing what's going on in your organization. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love it. So I, um, 
wanted to just spend our last uh, few minutes together talking about um, your, you know, what, what's in the future? What's in the future for you? What's your, what's your vision? Where are you, where are you taking this this work and um, you know the the, the book and, and all of that? Yeah, yeah. So the book is currently on Lean Pub. It's uh, leanpub.com slash dynamic reteaming, and I'm in the final stages of getting the print version on Amazon. And I decided to self publish it. Mm-hmm. And I have one more reviewer who I'm waiting to hear back from. And I've uh, gathered some uh, testimonials from my reviewers as well. So I'm designing the back cover and then just going to work on uh, distributing the book through various channels. And yeah, um, I do a lot of speaking around the world, invited uh, keynotes and workshops on dynamic reteaming, as well as on coaching. So I'll continue to do that. My website, HeidiHelfan.com, has the upcoming speaking engagements. And yeah, I'm really excited to just kind of finish this book and get it out there. It's been a labor of love. I've really enjoyed it. And it's uh, time to kind of stop it. (laughs) Stop starting, (laughs) start finishing. So I'm really just trying to get the final touches on this thing and call it a day. Yeah. And then I will be be free. Yeah. Free from the book. Um, yeah, we'll it, be, it, be able to. I have another book on Lean Pub too, which is about it's a practical introduction to coaching. So I'd like to jump into that book and finish that off. But but this one is definitely. I'm very proud of it. I'm. Uh, it's 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 nice to have, to make this sort of contribution to our industry. And yeah, I'd like to just you know see what comes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure it'll be very very well received and. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I I can't wait to to grab a copy and and read it uh, cover to cover, and so I'm very very excited for you. I know I know the process. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's a yeah. laborious, but uh, it'll it'll be such a you know so rewarding, um, especially when it's out there and and you know people are uh, you know reading through it and, and commenting, and um, it, it's it's a great feeling. So uh, congratulations on that. I know it's been a tremendous hey. amount of work and. It is. It really is a great contribution to to our industry. So, um, and then, you know, for for those listeners that want to learn more about you and some of your work and coaching and all of that, what is the best mm-hmm. way for them to to connect with you? I'd say I'd say uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. Okay. And you could go to my website uh, HeidiHelfan dot com mm-hmm. uh, as well. Yeah, uh, okay. Heidi dot Helfand at gmail dot com. You know, all those ways work. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I will, uh, for all our listeners out there, I will um, post the link to Heidi's website as well as her LinkedIn profile in the show notes. So uh, you can find them there as well. And uh, so I like to wrap up with just uh, a couple of short uh, questions. And basically um, what I want to learn from you is if you had to pick one book, um what would it be for, for our listeners? What's your favorite book out there right now? You know, as you asked me this question, I'm looking at my bookshelf and I guess one of the books that's really impacted me is a book by Paolo Freire called Pedagogy of the Oppressed. Hmm. That is one book that I've read over and over and over and over, starting when I studied educational theory. He was a, a Brazilian educator and 
Yeah, Pedagogy of the Oppressed talks about the banking method of education, just like how can we apply a problem-posing approach to education as opposed to a a banking method of education where we're treating students like the receivers of this information and we deposit, you know, make deposits in their brain of information, have them regurgitate facts to us. How can we instead um, engage with people so we pose problems to them and encourage them to solve them? and to question their realities so that they thrive and grow and aren't just like kind of kept in their place. And yeah. so a lot of the thoughts from, from Paulo Freire have impacted how I work with teens because it's kind of like, all right, we hire these amazing people with, with all of this experience and, and, this, and you know, just all these smart people. Well, these people can make decisions about you know, what team they might be on. They can be, be involved in all sorts of organizational design decisions, and we can serve up problems uh, and challenges to teams that they can solve by inventing new functionality for our customers. So how can we engage with people so they can you know, be creative and solve problems as opposed to just telling everybody what to do? Like that, that's a seminal uh, book for me. Yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting. You said that because I, I've actually um, over the last couple of months really been taking a deeper dive and studying some of uh, Dr. Carol Dweck's work on the growth mindset. Oh yeah, yeah. So she has a book out called uh, basically uh, Mindset or Growth mm-hmm. Mindset, um, and I, I find some of her research over the last ten fifteen years really really interesting. But it seems to very well align with. Uh, you know, uh, what you were just uh, referring to in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, education. Um, yeah, so for sure. Very, very cool stuff. And um, what about podcast? What would be your, your, your recommended podcast for our listeners out there? I really like um, Guy Raz's podcast, How I Built This. I love it. It's an NPR yeah. podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You can hear stories of different companies and from their founders and how they built them. And I find that really fascinating. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely a, a great one. And uh, what about what about a, a blog, or you know, it doesn't have to be a blog, or just a web resource for for folks that uh, is kind of your your go to and kind of a uh, on your list. Hmm. Um. That's a good question. I guess I don't. Uh, I use the web mostly as a research tool and a communication mm-hmm. tool. Uh, I the one thing that comes to mind for people that run retrospectives, I love the retro mat website. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see, retro mat dot is it? Let's see dot org. You heard of it? There's a I great, have. Yeah. yeah retro dot org. I love, and I have the paper copy of this, but there's a lot of different activities that you can do with teams. Uh, when you run a retrospectives, I love that one. I also love uh, liberatingstructures.com. Uh, mm. So I was referencing them earlier because I, I learned the, about the eco-cycle concept through that community. And there's a wonderful book, Surprising Power of Liberating Structures. And they, on their website, they open source all of their facilitation patterns that you can use with teams and groups and organizations. So, so that's another favorite. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. I'm definitely gonna have to check out uh, the liberating structures. And I've actually used the Retromat um, site before. Um, cool. as well as like planning poker for, for sizing, mm-hmm. um, things like that, especially for remote teams. But uh, Retromat's good because I find I, I tend to find I don't know if you've seen out this, this out there with a lot of teams you've worked with over the years, but 
there does, um, you know, you, you teams get a little complacent. It, it gets harder and harder as you get better and better to find those kind of nuggets of, I call it high hanging fruit. You know, mm-hmm. there's a low hanging mm-hmm. fruit in the beginning stages because, you know, the, the opportunities are, are just more apparent. But when you get into a highly performing, effective, efficient team, um, you know, looking for and really digging deeper to find those opportunities for improvement. Um, so RetroMat's a, a good, I think, a good resource for some exercises that you can do as well. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh Cool. Well, I, that's all I had for the podcast. Heidi, thank you so much. This was really, really uh, educational, very insightful um, for me. I'm sure for a lot of listeners out there, congratulations again. Um, you're down to just the, the back cover design on dynamic reteaming. And uh, so kudos to you on, on all that hard work and um, for that contribution and um, looking forward to, to checking it out. And uh, I will post uh your links uh, for people to connect with you in the show notes. I'm also going to post uh, links to your, your favorite uh, resources here um, for, for folks to check out as well. So thank you so much for being on the show. Sounds great. Thanks so much, Chris. You're very welcome, Heidi. Thank you. Thanks for listening to agile talks. Join the conversation in our agile talks, Facebook and LinkedIn groups or visit us at agiletalks.co. Each week, we host live webinars with thought leaders, dig deep with panel discussions, and explore the growth mindset. We hope you enjoyed the podcast, and if you did, help us spread the word by leaving us a review and rating on iTunes.